Have you ever attended or seen a sports game? Been part of a debate or a protest? Walked down a busy hallway or street? In all of these situations, you experienced a number of different social occurrences that now makes up what we call social dynamics. Welcome back to the Mystery of Your Minds, third season and seventh episode. Today, we'll be looking into what group dynamics as a whole are and what that means for us. In future episodes, we'll be exploring different parts of group dynamics, so be sure to stay tuned. Group dynamics is really more of a general idea than any one concept or occurrence. It's a collection of behaviors and attitudes that happen when we're in a social group or between two or more social groups that already exist. And with an ever-globalizing world, the need to understand how we work together and against each other is all the more important. Not just that, group dynamics can also help us understand things like how disease spreads, how to create smarter therapeutic techniques, and understand how ideas and innovations spread, especially in a digital age like today. So, where did group dynamics come from? As with most things in psychology, or in any other field, it was the contribution of many different thinkers that built the same field. On a high level, though, it revolves around how we, as a whole, can act significantly differently than as individuals. Group dynamics has been as old as psychology itself. Wilhelm Wundt believed that things like language, customs, or religion couldn't be explained by looking at the individual. Gustave Le Bon suggested that as a group, people are more primitive, aggressive, and have antisocial instincts. William McDougall believed that we had a unique mind that was separate from our individual mind that developed from interacting and working with others. That being said, the term group dynamics only came into our vocabulary in the 20th century by Kurt Lewin, we talked about positive and negative forces that exist within groups and established the first institute specifically focused on group dynamics, the Group Dynamics Research Center at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Other fields have built off of and have based much of their ideas in group dynamics, actually. Evolutionary psychology, for example, focuses on how group dynamics likely became more complex as we evolved, as it gave us a competitive advantage in organizing, stratifying, and judging others and those around us. While intergroup dynamics, or relations, attitudes, behaviors, and beliefs between groups are important to learn about, research, and investigate, intragroup, or within-group dynamics, are just as important to understanding how we act in a group. Intragroup dynamics are a collection of processes relating to social and cultural norms, roles, relations, goals, and attitudes. In a more tangible sense, if we consider religion as a quote-unquote social group that members can be part of, there might be different norms and roles within one religion that are generally shared across the group. If the quote-unquote social group is now a sports team, they might have a different goal of winning their next game. Intragroup formation is also a really interesting way to look at collectivist cultures and ideologies. If we consider those from a collectivist culture as a in-group, where do cultural norms come from? 
what about roles different members are expected to contribute to and abide by? How are things like community and family goals different? And is there more of a disconnect at the group member level by not focusing on individual goals? Or is there an even greater disconnection between members of a group because they're generally prescriptive? And how do these members view members of their own group? stratify themselves by class, gender, or family history? And are collectivist cultures less stressful by not putting pressure on the individual, but rather on the whole? Or is that a source of stress if the community can't reach its goal in the time that it's expected to? Another really fascinating thing that we can look into that actually bridges the gap between intergroup and intragroup dynamics is how we form groups. It sounds remarkably simple and even silly. I mean, after all, it's not too complicated, right? I just join a group. But then where do cliques form? Or cults? Or community organizations? Why do we attract to certain groups of people, but stay away from others? And if we can better understand how groups form, we can prevent people from isolating themselves, their peers, and their co-workers at the workplace, better understand predictors of things like gang membership or drug use, and understand what sorts of factors can help us rise up to approach systemic issues through protest or revolt, organize a community and bring about action, and change even policy at a local, state, or national level. There are a lot of different theories and approaches out there on how we form groups, but there are two big ones that include the social identity approach and the social exchange theory. In the social identity approach, we form groups when individuals who are distinct and different from each other find some sort of shared social category or grouping. This might be a profession, like artists, a location, like in rural communities that are spread far apart from each other, an affiliation, like workers at a workplace, or a shared interest, like fans of a sports team. On the same line, something called emergent groups can form when in the process of responding to a disaster or danger. For instance, after a huge hurricane, members of the affected area are more likely to band together and help each other survive, even if they haven't really had much experience with each other previously. Once this mutual factor between all these different distinct individuals are formed, these members come together to develop their own norms, roles, attitudes, etc., and then use those to define the group at large. And then in turn also use that definition for the group at large for group members themselves to influence their own behavior and the behavior of others who are also in the group. Social exchange theory, on the other hand, is a more member-focused way of looking at how groups form. It suggests that we form groups that are personally valuable and will remain in these groups as long as they offer us the maximum value compared to what we have to provide back to the group. For instance, if a group of artists come together for a coalition, but will have to pay a good bit of their money to the coalition every month of the year, members might not want to join because the cost on them is greater than the benefit they'd get by being part of the group. But conversely, if members feel that they would benefit from the coalition more so than their cost, they'd be more than willing 
to pay their dues and be part of the group. There are lots of other theories and approaches that also exist to explain why groups form that we aren't going to go into today because we just don't have time. But group dynamics is something that is truly fascinating. And if you can, you should definitely look into them and understand more about why these theories exist, what these approaches are, and try to see if you can identify them in your own lives. Without understanding how we interact, it's hard to get a good grasp on what it means to be social, to be human, to be us. How we form groups, how we behave in them, and how we relate, positively or negatively, between groups is key to becoming a better member of the world we live in. Thank you again for listening to the seventh episode of the third season of The Ministry of Your Mind, a podcast all about why we are the way we are. Before you go, I want to direct your attention to a couple of links that are in the description of this episode. First off, there's a link to this podcast's Instagram, at The Ministry of Your Mind, that you can follow for all the latest and greatest updates and posts on new episodes, what's going on behind the scenes, and more. There are also links to this podcast's website, feedback forms, and if you'd like to support me continue this podcast, there's also a Patreon that you can support me through. And lastly, but certainly not the least, if you love this podcast just as much as I do, be sure to rate and review this podcast in whichever outlet you're using right now. It helps this podcast grow and expand to other listeners so that they too can learn more about the crazy world that they live in. See you in the next episode.